तो लॉर्ड ऑफ हैव अ लॉर्ड ऑफ डिफरेंट क्वेश्चन अबाउट थेरेपिस यू नो वॉट इज़ अ गुड थेरेपिस्ट और हाउ डज अ गुड थेरेपिस्ट लुक लाइक हाउ डू वी नो वॉट इज़ द परफेक्ट फिट फॉर अज इन टर्म्स ऑफ कॉस अ थेरेपिस्ट सो ऑन दिस एपिसोड ऑफ योर्स मेंटली वी टॉक अबाउट द अनाटमी ऑफ अ गुड थेरेपिस्ट आई वुड रिकमेंड यू लिसन टू दिस एपिसोड एट फुल लेंथ बिकॉज दे वो सो मनी थिंग्स टू लर्न फ्राम द क्लाइंट्स परस्पेक्टिव एंड ऑल्सो द थेरेपिस्ट परस्पेक्टिव दिस एपिसोड इज इन कॉन्वर्जेशन विद अमी पटेल हु इज अ काउंसलिंग साइकोलॉजिस्ट so without further ado let's get right into the episode so on today's episode where we talk about the anatomy of a good therapist ami what is your opinion on whether therapist should go for therapy or not i think that therapist should definitely go for therapy therapists are human beings first and foremost and so nobody is immune to having issues or challenges in life i think the general sort of thought is that if you had a childhood or you come from a culture you probably need therapy or would benefit from therapy. I think that therapy is not about necessarily being mentally ill, right? Therapy is about having a space to really process things and understand things better, find answers or dig deep and gain some insight and self-awareness. So absolutely therapists benefit from therapy and should have therapy of their own. It's also important to know what it feels like for your client to be on the other side of that room. So, yeah, the the, the long answer is that, the short answer is yes. Right. Okay, so I'm from Gen Z, right? And uh, I watch a lot of Instagram reels and all of that. So I always see like these influencers posting jokes, and also some people doing this seriously, where they're like, "Oh, why do therapists need therapy? You know, you can just go read your textbooks, or you know, you can just mm-hmm. kind of self-introspect and see what's wrong with you and work on it." What was your yeah. opinion on that? I think that people confuse who a person is versus what they do. So I am. a human being who happens to be a therapist as a professional i am a person and therapy is what i provide it's a service i provide so while i may be able to do that um for other people based on my experience and education and expertise there's no objectivity when it comes to myself or a family member or a friend right mm-hmm. and objectivity is really important because it allows you to see something that you might not otherwise be ready to see so it's really important to just like doctors doctors can't cure themselves right they also need medical care right. or lawyers need lawyers themselves you can't always represent yourself if you go through a legal uh, case or accountants have their own accountants i mean mm-hmm. we're human beings and what we do as a profession is separate from who we are as a person right so do you think there's a set criteria of what a good therapist is like and what are a few qualities every therapist should have yeah i think there is there's not one set criteria but i think there's probably a handful of things that it would certainly make the therapist more effective and allow them to create a better rapport between themselves and their client right so one is mm-hmm. what we call present just being present so you know you're attending your client that means not just physically present you're sitting across from your client or you're sitting on the other side of the screen from your client but actually mentally being present with what they're saying paying attention to how they're saying something instead of sort of like oh yeah this happened at my house this morning or oh i'm having this issue with my partner or my kid is doing this being actually present and focused on the client the mm-hmm. second thing is being an active listener so everyone can hear right we we it's hearing is a physiological act but listening actively is something that takes a lot of effort so you're not only listening to the words that a client is using but you're also interpreting what the nonverbal messages are you're also reading facial expressions body cues you're observing physiological responses maybe a particular topic comes up and a client start, just all of a sudden crosses their arms and sits back so you're you're reading all those things so listening is not just about the act of 
hearing words, but it's also about paying attention to the visual and what's in front of you, what the client's doing, saying, feeling the nuances and the changes that occur and understanding that all of these things are happening in a particular context, right? And then also just understanding that being able to set boundaries, understanding that this is their job. So you're not bringing your personal stuff into your work. You are engaging in lines of questioning, which are motivational or informative, but not voyeuristic, right? So if something salacious has happened or something else happened, you, knowing that you're asking questions for a particular purpose, not just knowing that, you know, knowing that you're not asking questions just to be invasive or to be voyeuristic, like, oh, my client went through this or, oh, this happened. Understanding that there is a reason, there's a purpose, there's a motivation for why we ask particular questions and why we need particular information and how does that help us serve our client better. So being really aware of that, obviously empathy, um, which I think we'll talk more about later. But empathy is necessary. It means, you know, I'll talk about exactly what empathy means at um, a later date, but you need to be able to understand where the other person is coming from. You need to be able to put your moral judgments and values and beliefs aside. Like I've had people say, um, I, I met with a therapist or a counselor. I was sort of questioning my orientation or sexuality. And the other, the, the therapist was like, no, 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 that's wrong. Like really imposing their own personal values and beliefs onto a client. So not only is that inappropriate and unprofessional, but it also serves to alienate the client, right? Your job as a therapist is to create a safe, non-judgmental space. And the minute that you start imposing values, imposing beliefs, judging a person for their choices or their behaviors, you've no longer created a safe space for them, right? Knowing how to question, like I said, knowing what are the reasons that we're questioning a client the way that we're probing that client, doing it in a way that's not aggressive, doing it in a way that's not judgmental. You can confront, um, but not aggressively. Helping the clients to understand why certain questions are being asked, but also allowing the client to speak, allowing the client to speak when they're ready to speak. You know, it's not about like, oh, you mentioned in the last session that you were assaulted. Let's talk about that. No, you mentioned that you went through a really difficult and painful experience, are you comfortable talking about that? And if the client says no, to say, okay, well, what else can we talk about then? What else would you like to discuss? Not sort of feeling like you know what's best for the client, allowing the client to be the expert on themselves and helping them to understand that they have to sort of look within, right? The other thing is that not giving advice. I think a lot of times people feel like therapy is just giving advice. You're just giving advice. I can give advice. I'm really good. I can be a therapist. But it's not about giving advice. It's about really listening and helping the client to sort of figure things out on their own. So, Ami, a lot of things that you spoke about right now entails therapists keeping in mind what they shouldn't be doing and also what they should be doing. So, do you think there's room for therapists to make mistakes? Because, like, a lot of people are like, oh, therapists can't make mistakes. But, like, you know... At the end of the day, therapists are human beings too. So what's your opinion on this? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, no matter what your profession is, you're a human being first. And therapists are just as valuable as anybody else. So of course we make mistakes. Of course we might say the wrong thing or use terminology that wasn't maybe the best terminology to use. Or maybe there was an opportunity to open a line of questioning and we missed it. It's definitely possible to make mistakes. Of course it is. I think that as long as you remember that, you know, there's no, there's no sort of perfect way to do things. Mm -hmm. There may be a way that's more appropriate or more helpful than not, but 
but we understand that this is a, we are all a work in progress right and so i might sit thinking okay i'm going to meet with this client and i think i want to I, I wonder if she will, you know she'll be open to exploring this but then the client comes in with something else i have to be willing to adjust i have to be willing to accept that okay maybe what i thought isn't sort of accurate also we we carry our own biases like we all have prejudices right and so we have to make sure that nobody is has reached that level of complete you know self actualization where we've let go of all of our biases and all of our prejudices and we don't sort of have those uh, play into our behaviors and actions and choices and words we all do so it's a matter of keeping yourself in check and being aware that okay what's happening here ha- having the ability to work on self awareness which we'll also talk about later but that that's also important you know understanding that you can make mistakes understanding that you can always redo things you can't undo it but you can redo it right you can go back and say you know i'm sorry i i'm really meant to ask you this and i for, i didn't get a chance to or you know i feel like i spoke over you and i didn't want to make any assumptions or we do make assumptions right sometimes we make an assumption that we know what the client is going to say or what the client is feeling that's a mm-hmm. big no no we should not make assumptions because we don't know we can imagine what a person might feel but making assumptions generally will shut things down not open things up for discussion so ami you spoke about empathy a while ago right so can you tell me how important it is for a therapist to be empathetic oh i would say it's one of probably the basic tenets of therapy right so i'll just give a basic definition of empathy what it involves is listening to clients understanding them and their concerns as best as a therapist can and then communicating this understanding to them in such a way that they might understand themselves more fully and act in ways that are based on that understanding so the idea is you know we talk a lot about you know putting myself in their shoes type of thing it's important to remember that we have to take our agenda out of it so empathy means listening to someone but not but putting aside our own frame of reference right and really engaging in their frame of reference understanding it from their perspective and seeing it through their eyes instead of assuming you would know what they're thinking based on your own experiences or your own behavior patterns or your own background right and so it's really about the ability to recognize and acknowledge the feelings of another person without expressing those exact experiencing those exact same emotions and we do that therapists express empathy in verbal ways by saying okay thank you for sharing that i understand where you what you mean or i can imagine what you might be feeling or tell me more about that that must have been really difficult or nonverbal ways where you're you're maintaining eye contact you're in a creating a supportive environment you're you're basically again i said this before too but i cannot emphasize this enough that our primary job is to create a safe non-judgmental space and one of the ways you do that is by providing empathy and empathetic listening and empathetic engagement right because that is that is one of the cornerstones of um therapy So sometimes I'd like to talk a little about how we disengage from empathy. Sometimes you know therapists will ask distracting questions that are not tangential that are tangential or not related to the topic or they might use a lot of clichés like oh I know just how you feel or yes I I I I know I've been that through that too. They might give advice or they might interpret, right? Empathy is not interpreting. We our job is not to interpret. Our job is to hear what the client is saying, ask for clarification, mirror back what we're hearing and what we're experiencing and not distorting the content but actually t- taking it at face value because it's data, it's information that helps us to understand the client better. And empathy is not the same as sympathy. That's really really important to understand, right? When we talk about empathy, it's not just like 
okay, oh, you went through this. Oh, okay, this happened. It's also about adding to the conversation. How does, how can we use empathy to add to the conversation and move the client's sort of therape- therapeutic progress along? Mm-hmm. And it's also not the same as sympathy, right? We're not showing pity. Yeah. We are trying to imagine their experience without having experienced it ourselves. Right. So mm-hmm. every client has varied needs, experiences, and unique qualities, right? Mm-hmm. However, what are some basic goals that therapists should have with every client? Okay. So one of the main goals is to understand what is bringing the client into therapy in the first place. There's usually what we call a presenting problem. Something has happened. There's been an acute crisis. An issue has erupted. And so they're usually coming for therapy. Most people are not coming to therapy in a preventative manner. They're coming as an intervention after something difficult has happened and they need help coping or they're experiencing symptoms they they feel they can't manage anymore. Um, So understanding what the presenting problem is. And then once you understand what the presenting problem is, you sort of begin to talk to them and get them to share what they want their goals for therapy to be. What are they wanting to work on? Once you begin to address presenting problems, what we understand is that underneath the presenting problem are probably other issues that have gone unaddressed, or maybe even that the, the client is unaware of. So we get them to sort of understand, okay, what else could be sort of lingering under the surface? What else could be causing difficulty in managing the emotions or managing the experiences or difficulty in sort of your regular functioning? And so once a client examines that and explores that, then they can come with another set of of issues that they want to begin to address. And so that helps us to lay a roadmap, right? Because Mm -hmm. therapy is client-driven, it's Mm client-focused, and it's client-centered. And so it is about what the client shares. Therapy only works based on what we call self-report. What the client shares with me is what I have to then work with. So that's really, that's sort of a general thing that we, we do for every client. The other thing is really allowing the client to drive the therapeutic process, but also using our experience, education, awareness to help them to sort of see things that they may not see, right? A lot of things are under the surface and not so obvious. And so we want to work with the client to understand what that's about. And that means oftentimes exploring really uncomfortable things. And so letting the clients know that, you know, therapy generally, it's not like a feel good thing, right? Therapy is not like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, I feel so much better. Everything is great now. It's therapy gets, life gets a little harder before it gets easier when you're doing therapy properly, I think, because you're really exploring that uncomfortable stuff. You're really working to understand the difficulties that have sort of affected long-term impact on one's life. So that's sort of how the process, that's sort of how the process goes. And then based on what the client presents, you might use different techniques or different modalities to address specific concerns. But otherwise, it's that that general sort of precursor you set and then you move accordingly. And there's no set thing, right? You don't know how a session's going to go. There's no way to predict or there's no way to sort of control that. Right. You really right. lead so, where the client goes. Right. So, Ami, you spoke about how therapy is a difficult process for the client, right? Do you somewhere think that it's also difficult for the therapist, like emotion heavy in a way? I think, yeah, I think that happens a lot when you're starting in the profession of therapy because you're Mm -hmm. not as adept at setting boundaries you're not as adept at understanding limitations you're not as experienced in being able to sort of separate work from personal so yeah i think that you know some people 
have a difficulty sort of leaving work at work. They might find themselves thinking about their clients outside of session or worrying about their clients outside of session. But I think the more experience you have, also the more supervision, you know, supervision is a very integral part of the profession of therapy. Someone that you can talk to, not just your personal therapist, but a professional supervision about someone you can talk to about your cases, someone you can talk to about the challenges of your cases or what you're feeling about your cases. So you have that space to really sort of understand things better. So basically um, the way that we, it's not that you don't, if I'm able to leave my work at work and not think about my client when I'm at home or in my personal life, that doesn't mean I don't care, right? That just means mm -hmm. I have a way that I am setting a healthy boundary where I understand mm -hmm. that I am in my client's life for 45 or 50 minutes at a time per week. Mm -hmm. The rest of the time, the client has to manage on their own. They have to utilize, say, the techniques that they're learning in session. Like my job or any therapist's job really is to provide tools, to teach techniques, to give them the toolkit. And then it's the client's job, the person's job to do the work, to implement the things, right? Mm -hmm. In that time between therapy sessions. And so you have to also trust that what you're doing is sufficient and also that the client has accountability, right? It's not, mm -hmm. our job as therapists is not to fix things. I'm gonna put that in quotes, right? Quote unquote, fix yeah. things, because that's not what therapy is about. Therapy is about figuring out how to sort of come up with solutions on your mm -hmm. own. And the therapist's job is to sort of guide and inform and educate and yeah. So I, th I think that, that when you realize that you're not responsible for that other person, it takes, mm -hmm. it's easier to take the emotion out of it. When you're, when you realize that you're allowed to set that boundary between work and personal, it gets easier to take the emotion out of it. When you realize that you have to be accountable for what you've done and your client has to be accountable for their growth or progress or not, it becomes easier to take the emotion out of it. We, it's really important that we don't have an over sense, over inflated sense of responsibility for our clients. You can mm -hmm. care, you can empathize, you can be present, you can engage, but you cannot solve, you cannot rescue. That's not mm -hmm. the job of the therapist. So, I mean, you know how different therapists have different approaches that they use with their clients, right? So do you have the same approach for every client or how does it differ for you? No, no, definitely not. Every, cli every client is different because every human being is different, right? Every human being has their own set of experiences and emotions and upbringing and and what they bring to the table so there is no cookie cutter approach that we can use in therapy it's really about understanding and i think this happens with more experience i mean I've, after 20 years of doing this i can meet with a client and know okay this client has experienced this this client is saying this okay this modality might work or this technique might work we also have to meet the client where they are so i may have a plan okay i think this technique may work but if the client isn't ready if the client is reluctant or even resistant, then, mm -hmm. okay, I've got to come up with plan B, right? I'm going to address the resistance. Okay, tell me what's not, what's not allowing you to take this step or what is making you resistant to taking this step or why do you feel stuck here? And then what can we do otherwise? But absolutely, you have to look at each individual client and assess where they are and then use techniques accordingly. You know, if someone is having issues feeling like say anxious then we may use more of the cbt techniques because we're trying to change thought patterns that are leading to feeling anxious and, and then behave accordingly for a client who has 
experienced child abuse or domestic violence or sexual assault or something like that, then we would use trauma-informed therapy techniques, right? So every every client is different. And so because they're different, every approach has to be different. And then it gets adjusted and adapted from session to session. So, Ami, you know, in a lot of different fields of work, when you kind of fail at something, they'll people will usually tell you, oh, just put your mind to it and then you'll probably reach there, you'll achieve the results and all of that. Do you think that kind of thought process would apply to therapy? Well, let's say you have a client and just everything that you're trying with the client, you know, all, all the approaches, all the ways of, uh, just all the techniques you're trying is not working. Like you and the mm-hmm. client are just not, you know, like it's not working out between y'all. Mm-hmm. And like you're not really, tra- you're not really understanding the client mm-hmm. as a whole. Mm-hmm. So do you think in these, in these cases, you kind of push yourself more or do you just terminate therapy? I guess, it, again, it varies from client to client. So if I'm observing that the client is coming for therapy, but they're not mm-hmm. doing any of the work outside of therapy, then I mm-hmm. would share that observation, right, with them and ask them, like, what, what's, is there something going on that they're not able to share? Is there something going on that they might not be aware of? Like, you know, sometimes things happen that we're not really consciously sort of aware of, that we don't have that self-awareness. So I would try to explore uh, what that resistance or that reluctance is about. And then mm-hmm. if they're just not willing to, then yes, I, I will suggest that, you know what, maybe right now, you're not ready for it. And that's perfectly mm-hmm. fine, right? There's Because a lot of times, you know, people will start therapy because their friends have suggested it, their family members have suggested it, their doctor has suggested it, but they're not actually really ready for it. And then mm-hmm. that's not effective. It's it's their time and money that's going. It's my time. And if I feel genuinely like, and which is not to say that there aren't clients where they just come and they want to sit and they just need that safe place to be. That's okay too. That's There's not a problem. But if I'm sensing a particular resistance to therapy, you know, there'll be people that will come for therapy, but then say no to everything or question everything or challenge everything. So then you have to work around that and you have to really try to understand, right? And this is where empathy comes in. Not, <laughs> I'm going to say this, and this might not be a popular opinion, but it's fact that you're not always going to like every client and that's okay that's not your job your job is not to like every client because you're not there to be friends with people right you're there to do a job you're there to provide a service so you know sometimes therapists that's what we call there's issues called transference and countertransference which are more complicated but it's when we're having sort of feelings or expectations or things that are getting directed at the client like oh my god this client is coming i'm so not looking forward to this session or oh my god i hope this client cancels people say that right because therapists again are human beings you know we have like those we might maybe i'm having a bad day and i'm like oh god this client is so taxing or whatever so it's really important for us to also have our self-awareness and understand how much is is there any of my stuff that's coming out in this therapy session with this client right and so understanding that um, maybe sometimes unconsciously I might be putting some stuff in there or maybe it's just a client. So having that very open uh, conversation with the client, not what I'm feeling, but also like is something going on here that maybe you're not sharing that will help me better understand what's happening. And if it really like if all else fails and to say, you know, maybe this is not the right time or maybe there's another therapist that you might feel more comfortable opening up to or engaging with do people do shop around for therapists and that's completely fine you know sometimes you go for a session or two you think "Mm, this is not really working and that's okay no therapist is is going to take it or should take it personally if a client and a client can stop anytime right that's the other thing the client can come for five sessions be like you know what now i don't want to continue therapy okay no problem it's not personal right so ami can you tell me some basic do's and don'ts of a therapist do do provide a safe space 
do approach therapy with the client from an empathetic space, do focus on where the client is and not where you want the client to be, do engage in active listening and present, present, being present in the session. Yeah. And then the don'ts is don't judge. Don't bring your own baggage into the session. Don't take things personally. Like clients get angry in session. That's great. They should feel safe to emote. That's the whole point, right? I tell my clients, I might say something that they don't like and that's okay. You know, and I tell them, mm-hmm. are you, are you feeling angry uh, right now? Are you feeling angry with me? That's okay. You're allowed to be angry and you're allowed to tell me that you're angry. Are you allowed to tell me that you don't like me right now? That's all right. Don't, don't censor a client. Don't shut a client down by making assumptions. Don't judge. Don't judge. Just because you disagree or you have an experience, it doesn't mean it is not a valid experience for that person. And don't assume things. Ask the question, clarify, probe, but don't make assumptions. Right. So lastly, Ami, how do you as a therapist work on bettering yourself each day with each client? I think the primary thing is self-awareness. It's really important that we as therapists know what our beliefs, our biases, our feelings, our perceptions, our reactions, and our perspectives, what they are and how they can affect the counseling session and the client interaction. We have to be in tune with what my beliefs are and how those um, emotions that I feel might be coming into the session and how do I create a boundary so that it does not impact my work. I think it also, when you have a level of self-awareness, what it does is it allows the therapist to really provide unbiased empathy, actual and meaningful understanding and support, which is really, really important, right? Our job is to provide support. Our job is to provide safety and our job is to provide empathy. And if I'm aware of myself and my stuff, my issues, my challenges and my struggles, and I'm working on addressing them, then they are less likely to bleed into my work. And, and then the other thing is tolerating, being able to tolerate intensity, intensity of emotion, intensity of experiences, intensity of trauma. Client situations are complex because human beings are complex and even emotionally intense. And so as a therapist, it's really important to be able to tolerate intensity and not become emotional. The client should never feel like they have to be worried about the therapist, right? A client should feel safe being able to emote and knowing that the therapist is capable of containing those emotions and experiences without having to worry about, oh my God, I didn't mean to upset you. Are you okay? It should never be like that, okay? Also, confidentiality is really, really important. A client, it's not just about a this physical space, uh, which creates safety, but it's also emotional safety, right? Knowing that what they say is confidential and remains between these four walls. I know a lot of times you hear professionals, whether it's healthcare professionals or legal professionals or even mental health professionals who talk very freely about their clients. And that's Mm -hmm. really inappropriate and unprofessional, right? Someone else's difficulties should never become social currency. It's not, that's not okay. Understanding that we can validate someone's experience and still challenge their thinking. It's okay, right? We don't, our job is not to be liked as a therapist. Our job is to be a good therapist. So that means I can say, oh, I'm really sorry that you're going through something like that. I understand that you're feeling this and this, but have you considered that this, you might be doing this, right? We, we have to challenge also. It's not just, okay, 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 okay. It's not just about venting. It's not just about spilling. It's also about 
creating awareness for the client, bringing up perspectives that the client may not be ready to see or willing to see or is able to see and understanding that we have to be aware of cultural issues that impact client behaviors and choices and experiences and not judging, not, you know, like there might be political ideologies that play into their, their trauma or their struggle and not letting your political stuff come out or yeah, just general self-awareness, I think is really, really important. And remember this people, can only meet you as deeply as they have met themselves. So if I yeah. am not self-aware, I cannot help create self-awareness in my client. It's very, it's very important. So <laughs> yeah. So one more thing I wanted to ask you. I'm yes, very specific, Is you know a lot of people, a lot of people in India have you know we've been raised with very, I'd say wrong or very orthodox opinions uh-huh. and thoughts, right? So I think an example I can give you is caste-based oppression, religion-based oppression. It's, it's very prevalent in India, right? So a lot of people, you know, who want to be therapists but have been raised in families mm-hmm. uh, where there exists, you know, caste-based and religion-based mm-hmm. oppression. Mm-hmm. Do you think they can go on to be good therapists and kind of keep that thought aside and how difficult is it for them? And also another, the other side of it is, mm-hmm. let's say you've got some clients coming to therapy, right? Mm-hmm. who you know they speak mm-hmm. differently about a certain religion mm-hmm. how do you deal with those kind of clients? Mm. yeah th- that's a good question the first question about a therapist who has certain biases or prejudices like i said mm-hmm. we all have certain prejudices right some are overt and some are more subtle mm-hmm. the main thing is self-awareness i mean it comes down to self-awareness in therapy you have to be willing to engage in your therapy you have to be willing to acknowledge that it happens. I know, of course, there are racist or casteist or prejudicial people that go into this profession. And I think the problem is when they don't think that that's a problem, right? And I I think that the education, I mean, I cannot speak for education in clinical psychology all throughout India because I don't know enough about it. But I think that people have to be, I mean, therapy has to be inculcated in the education. It has to be normalized, right? If you're going into a profession where you're expecting people to open up, but you're not expecting the people you're training to open up. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult, right? We have to be willing yeah. to engage in discussion and confront our biases. Oppression, yeah. a threat to oppression, a, a threat to somebody anywhere is a threat to someone everywhere. Like it's, it, yeah. it, it's really not okay. And I don't think you can create a safe therapeutic environment if you are resistant to addressing or challenging your own oppressive beliefs. I I don't know how that works. So I don't think that, I definitely think it would be uh, create a a challenge in therapy because at some point, if you're not self-aware or you're not willing to uh, put that aside or unlearn some of those beliefs that you've learned, you're not going to be able to create a very therapeutic and supportive and validating environment, right? And if your client's not going to feel safe, they're not going to come back. And if the client is... um, racist or discriminatory you know initially i i won't address it because i want them to feel safe enough to be open about it like it shouldn't be that you i can only see clients who match my political ideology or my religious ideology or my social ideology but at some point i will say okay so i'm interested where did you learn this how how has this shaped your thoughts or your patterns of behavior or your interactions with people or your relationships and maybe Mm -hmm. in uh, understanding how this is impacting they themselves might realize, yeah, it's, I just, I just, it's been inculcated in me from a young age because this is what my parents felt. And so that's what I learned. And most people I think are open to unlearning things, right? 
Therapy is about change. The entire profession is based on a human's capacity and willingness to change. So I think if they're coming for therapy, then there's definitely something that they are finding is not working. And a therapist's job is also to connect threads, right? To help the, yeah. the client to find connections, but also to help highlight connections and highlight where commonalities and where threads emerge and originate and how they create impact throughout their lives in different ways. So in doing that, our job is not to make them change their mind. Our job is to help them understand why they believe what they believe and how that's benefited them or hurt them and what they want to do about it, if anything. That was uh, quite a good episode. I think a lot to learn for myself, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I really hope for um, all the people who wish to be therapists or who are pursuing psychology, I really hope there's you know a lot for them to learn from this. And not only you know to learn in the sense that, oh, because they're becoming <laughs> therapists, but also looking at it from the other side of it that maybe they may not have the qualities to be a therapist and that's okay yes. you know that's, that's really okay i, I think, think that is really key amen i'm sorry yeah. to uh, speak over you i just i just want to say I, I a lot of people i know go into the field of psychology because they've been told oh i'm really good with people and uh, people come to me for advice and so i want to do this as a for a living right yeah but not not every good friend is going to be a good therapist. Exactly. I think, and also I think a lot of people go into the field of psychology or wanting to be counselors and therapists, but what they actually need is therapy themselves. Sometimes when we yeah, feel yeah. like we don't have a solution or we feel out of control, we, we veer towards something that's going to make us feel in control or, you know, the thing that I wish I had, but I mm-hmm. couldn't get, but now I'm going to be that for somebody else. That's probably not the best <laughs> motivation. Right. And the last thing yeah, I'll okay. say is, I think with any profession, is to not feel like you have to know everything or that you know everything. Growth and growth is important. Understanding that I'm constantly, even after 20 years, there's still so much I'm still learning and I have to learn. Right. There are still mistakes yeah. that I make from time to time. It's okay. It's where we learn. You know, when we when we make mistakes is where we have opportunities to grow and develop and, and sort of self-reflect and introspect. Mm-hmm. And so not feeling like oh yeah i know this i can do it nope it's it's a really it's not just oh i can be a therapist i can talk to people or i can be a therapist because i'm you know people come to me for advice it's so much more than that and i think if we really and truly is something somebody wants to pursue they have to be willing to understand that there is so much more to therapy than just talking to people and just giving advice. Actually, the work yeah. that has to be done to be a therapist is within first. And that's yeah. the thing you have to keep going as a therapist. One of the things I have to keep reminding myself is, okay, how am I doing? What do I need? What am I feeling? What's coming up for me? And what do I need to address so that I can continue to do the job that I do well and effectively? Thank you, Omi, for being with us and sharing your thoughts and opinions. I learned a lot personally. Like I said, thank you, Amin, as usual, for having me. And to everyone listening, thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.